We're starting a series. Whoa, crazy. <coughs> uh, looking back, we could have called everything we've talked about for the past three times, let's get physical, but I didn't. So we're in the middle of a series, and now we're starting a sub-series. But that's too much information. It gets away from me. Um, wanted to catch you up just really quickly if you haven't been here the last few weeks. Last few times in Mortal Life, we talked about truth. We talked about truth as being something bigger, more expansive than the truth idea that you're used to. It's more than mental gymnastics up in your head. We talked about how possibly truth isn't something you write down, it's not something you memorize. Instead, it has to be expressed through your person, through you. That's truth. It's expression. It's alive, and it's real, and it's tangible. Um, it's that real. And that's why we talked about getting physical with truth. We said it's about all of you, not merely one dimension of you. Lots of times we like to reduce or limit or narrow truth down to intellect, your IQ. In many ways it can be put in that sphere. But we talked about truth as being something about your entire being. We talked about it requiring your whole self, all of you. And we also talked about how it's first-hand intimate knowledge that it's experiential, that you have to live and breathe it and embrace it. And um, what I used to tell Sky students all the time was, it's not something you believe in. I would change the word believe to be live. It's something you be live. It's something that you actually express. It's not mental gymnastics, truth. I should know what you believe if I watch you, from around you, if I experience you. I should know it. You shouldn't have to tell me anything. Nothing. So anyway, we used to say it's what you be live. Um, finally, I talked about truth as being free for all. Not like a free for all. It's just whatever goes. It's just anything. But it's free for all in the sense that it's equally accessible to everyone, everywhere, all the time. Truth isn't something that like is restricted or narrowed or limited by your income. Or where you grew up. Or how much you've traveled or what school you were fortunate enough to go to. Truth is something, it's like a particular way of living and breathing and moving in this world. And I've put words on it like patience, generosity, courage, grace, forgiveness, all of these things. Things to which there is no roof or ceiling. You can't hit it. Like this is something that I experienced when I traveled to Juarez, Mexico with my family, and I came across a person who was truly generous. And they grew up in the same place, they've lived there their whole lives, and he made $5 a day. And when we tried to give him a $20 bill because he fixed our bus, he was like, no, 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 no. And he spent hours, like 10 hours, working on this thing, and he was so happy, and there was something true. He knew something that I didn't, and I had read more and been more places and experienced more, but like he understood truth in this different kind of way. So, it's free for all. And last time we were together, we talked about death by comparison. Death by comparison. And I talked a little bit about comparison and contrast, and I just want to recap that very quickly. I apologize for how small this picture is going to be, but you're going to have to look up here and squint your eyes or do whatever you got to do. When Lincoln was about four or five years old, we ate lunch at a restaurant in uh, Kremlin, right? Correct. Kremlin. 
And we had just cut down our Christmas tree, and we decided to go to this restaurant and have lunch. And when we got in there, him still being little, you know, I'm doing the dad thing at the table, and you're getting everybody situated, putting everybody where they need to be before I can sit down. And we kept saying over and over and over and over again, Daddy, 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 look, it's you. Look, 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 Dad. Dad, it's you, it's you. So after I finally got everything taken care of, and I sat down and looked up, followed his finger to where he was pointing, and up on the wall hung a picture, and this was it. Now, you, you can't see this, but let me read this for you. I don't know what the date says, but I know it's 1965, and it's Muhammad Ali versus Sonny Liston. It's about, it's, it, it's under one minute into, like, round one. Round one, under one minute. KO. Knockout. Now, clearly that's a picture of me beating Sonny Liston in a boxing match in 1965, right? Maybe you were the guy on the ground. I like to think more highly. Um, to this day, I have to admit, I have no clue what Lincoln saw when he looked at that picture. Because when I look at that picture, I can't help but contrasting myself with Muhammad Ali. And honestly, there's plenty of material there to go for, right? Like, look at me. I stay away from boxing rings. <laughs> like, there's plenty going on here different than the two of us. But for some reason, Lincoln saw some sort of comparison. Enough to actually think that the picture on the wall was a picture of me. Very interesting. Comparison is about finding similarities, common ground. Contrast is about differences. And we talked about how our lives, we tend to contrast. And we tend to hear voices inside of our heads. And I encourage people <coughs> to grab a hold of those voices, literally write them down on pieces of paper, and to take them to the bottom of your shoes, and to put them where they belong, and to walk one of the things that I suggested, in fact, was imagine those voices talking to someone that you love. It's easy for me to do when I think about my boys, and I say they probably have voices inside their heads telling them all sorts of things. And I can't handle that. And what would I say to those voices, and how would I react? Now, take a little bit of that dose of truth that says you're supposed to love other people as you love yourself. And so it starts with you, and the thing is, you're supposed to love yourself enough to tell those voices to shut up, to be still, to be quiet, to grab a hold of them, to take control of them, to put them where they belong, stomp all over them, walk all over them, until they're no more. That was kind of where we went with this whole death by comparison. Actually, let's go to life by comparison, and let's actually find commonalities between us. Let's not play the contrast game anymore. And I compared myself to Peyton Manning, which was a good comparison. I thought it was good. Um, but many of you know that I direct this program. It's, it's a grade school program. It's called Sky Express. It's got Christian roots. And coming up in March, the students are going to be participating in something known as the goodness epidemic. And last week, right before break, to get them excited about it, to get them thinking about it, I had them read a story. I had them read like this poem in the Bible that begins the Bible, the book of Genesis. 
Now, the goodness epidemic is this entire week of infecting others with goodness. It's kind of funny. Like, we're trying to hijack something that's like negative, you know, and make it good. Epidemic is kind of this bad word. So, goodness epidemic, what are we supposed to do? Oh, you're supposed to infect other people with goodness. And hopefully it's contagious enough that this thing blows up to epidemic proportions. And suddenly we're in this story of goodness, right? Surrounding us and all around us. I had them read this poem out of the Bible that kind of says like, hey, how all of this began was like this, and why you're here is this. And so, them having the Christian roots and the program being in that, this was a cool poem for them to read. And I highlighted some very interesting things out of it for them. What was interesting about the poem was how many times and how often the word good was used to talk about this. Like, the poem talks about there being a God who created everything and that what that God created was indeed good. The word good is used a lot. If you go and look at it. What's also very interesting is that finally at the end of the poem, you get this poetic imagery of God standing back like an artist looking at the creation. And not saying that it's good, but for the first time in the poem saying that it's very good. Right? So it's like right at the end, along the way, eh, I'll do this, that's good. I'll do this, that's good. I'll do this, that's good. I'll add this color here, that's good. I'll do this, that's good. Stepping back. Man, that's, that's very good, right? Everything all together. Big picture. Not good. Very good. I bring that up because I consistently talk here about this divine flow how there's kind of this undercurrent to this story that we're in that's holding all of this together and that there's a trajectory to our story and that it's good. That this is indeed good. That all of this is moving somewhere. I love that poetic imagery of the bigger picture, everything together, all of it being very good. Not just good, but very good. The divine flow very good. Completeness, wholeness, togetherness, big picture, everything. Very good. Comparisons looking for common ground. It brings us together. It creates connections. It bonds us. It's kind of with the flow of the story. That's, that's a good vibe. Contrast is the thing that separates us and us apart and creates some distance. And it's kind of about isolation and against the flow of the story. Tonight we're going to talk about forgiveness. Just like comparison is with the flow, so too I believe forgiveness is with the flow of this story. Just like contrast, resentment, bitterness, revenge, grudges, on and on and on, unforgiveness, goes against the flow of the story, creating distance, fragmentation, divisiveness, and we'll get to more of it here in just a minute. I did suggest, though, 
that like last week, silencing those voices in, in your head and like creating some comparison, some real comparison, is loving yourself. And after I left, I was thinking about it more and more and more. And I immediately went to being on an airplane. And what they tell you, you have to do first in case of an emergency, right? In case of an emergency, the masks pop down. What do you do? Put yours on first, right? It's all about grabbing a hold of that oxygen mask and throwing that on so you can breathe, so you can be coherent, so you can be present, so that you can help other people. The brilliance of that statement, love others as you love yourself, is because it begins with you. And so many times the issues that we think are about others often begin with ourselves. And it's this idea that I have to learn how to love myself really. Holy, true. Got to figure that out. <clears throat> now, with that said, we're going to talk about tonight forgiveness. I'm going to go ahead and throw this up over here because for what it is, we've got some categories here. We've got what it isn't, who it is, what it is, and then down here we have how with a lot of question marks. And then over here, but I'm just going to say what it is loving yourself. What is forgiveness? It's loving yourself. Um, tonight, this talk is titled and inspired by a pop culture theologian, um, philosopher, poet, none other than Eminem, the rapper. <laughs> and the picture's not big enough, but he said, sometimes you just gotta let shit go and say to hell with it and move on. We're talking about forgiveness. So tonight's talk, I've got my red marker right here. Forgiveness, part one, this is a series. We're gonna call it Letting Shit Go. That's our talk tonight, Letting Shit Go. Now, one more thing before we go on. Please, no jokes ever tonight about the song Frozen from Frozen, Let It Go. Seriously, I hate that show. Like, couldn't stand that movie. And the fact that that song was on number one forever drove me crazy. And just the whole thought of it. I'm sorry to even mention it because now it's got to kind of be in the background. But that has no right being here in the room with us. The song Let It Go. Like, doesn't. Doesn't, doesn't. Anyway. All right. Now, I imagine tonight when some of you came in, and you simply saw the word forgiveness up here, that it probably triggered something in some of you. And as it went on, and I said, hey, we're going to talk about forgiveness, you might have had something kind of just inside say, nope, 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 nah, -uh. <laughs> never. Right? This is a tricky topic, and I wanted to let you know, I'm talking about it, because this is something that's very close to my heart right now. This is a word that I can't get away from for really about two years now. It's, it's been with me. It's something I daily think about. Um, I'm a rookie at this, to be honest, and no way a veteran. And so when I'm talking here at More to Life, I try to talk about things that excite me things that I'm passionate about, things that interest me. And right now, this is one of those words. 
And I hope that as we kind of look at it from a few different angles and enough different perspectives, that maybe there's something in there for you that you can grab a hold of. And you can say, oh yeah, that's a good next step for me too. Or, eh, that whole letting shit go on, I didn't really like that one, but like that next one, that was good, you know. Um, the next one's called Bleed It Out, by the way. Bleed It Out. It's going to be really good, too. Um, but I hope, I hope that something helps. I think this word is so important to get a grasp on what it means, and I think sometimes we all think it means different things, and that's why we've got these categories. What it isn't, what it is, and who it is. All right, so let's go. What it isn't, and I'm not gonna write all these up, but let's just talk about it. Forgiveness is not condoning anything. It's never saying that what happened to you is okay. And sometimes, like, especially if you're the person doing the forgiving, you feel that way. Right there with you. <laughs> you can feel like, no, 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 I can't forgive them because what they did was wrong. Right? So I can't, I can't forgive that. But forgiveness isn't saying it's okay. It's not saying, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever happened to you, that, that was all right. It's not what forgiveness is. It's not condoning anything. Forgiveness isn't reconciliation. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. Otherwise, we wouldn't even have the word reconciliation. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. But, <laughs> you know, forgiveness isn't reconciliation. Reconciliation takes two people, two healthy people, really, <coughs> right? And oftentimes, in the middle of this, there isn't two healthy people. And forgiveness is more about you than someone else's actions. Which brings me to the next point. Forgiveness isn't waiting for someone else to say they're sorry. Right? Well, I'll forgive them when they say they're sorry. Right? Like you're just hanging out, you're waiting for the day to come. By the way, that day might never come. You're like hanging on to something that you could very well take to your grave. I had a grandmother. She disowned one of her sons. Growing up, I never heard her talk kindly about him. As a result, like I never really knew him. I never really knew my cousins on that side of the family. And my grandmother died before she was ever able to talk to him again or anything. And, and he never talked to her. Was interesting. Someone was waiting for someone to do something, right? And maybe they handled stuff, but not the way my grandmother talked about it, you know? Like, I could tell there was still something there that hasn't been taken care of. Forgiveness isn't condoning anything. It's not reconciliation. Forgiveness isn't waiting for someone else to apologize. You could be waiting a very, very long time if that's what forgiveness is all about. Forgiveness isn't forgetting. We love to put those two words together, forgive and forget. Now, I really do think, like, in the best of relationships between two people, uh, 
I tell students this story a lot. I, I have a friend named Michael Hughes who lived down the road, and we used to break open rocks together. It was a lot of fun. And one time we broke open this rock, a rock that I found, by the way. Broke it open, and it was super shiny inside and cool, but dude. And like all kinds of cool things. And I was like, yes, my rock. Put it underneath my bed where I had this like loft thing growing up on display for everybody to see. Invited my friend over one day, and my rock went missing. What happened? Weeks later, went to visit my friend at his house. He showed me a rock he found somewhere. <laughs> Mysteriously looked a lot like my rock. Um, I did what any mature young boy would do. I stole it back. <laughs> got my rock back. But I did. I went to his house, and he went to the bathroom, and we were going to go eat snacks, and I put the rock in the tip of my shoe, and I ran over the way home. It was awesome. Um, but what's funny about that story is we never spoke any more of it. Guys can be weird like that sometimes. And the best of relationships, I think, between two people who've got a pretty good relationship, sometimes you can forgive and forget. Sometimes that's completely doable. There are a lot of times where you can forgive fully, but you cannot forget. And sometimes maybe what we should say then is, what it isn't is forgetting. And over here, what we could maybe write is, what it is, sometimes, forgiveness is remembering. And it's keeping that close, and it's knowing. And it's, it's almost like lessons learned, right? Boundaries established. So forgiveness isn't saying, hey, become the victim again. Hey. You can be a doormat, you can be a punching bag, you can be all of those things. Forgiveness isn't saying, forget that thing that happened and willingly walk into it again. That isn't forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't putting things back the way they were before. Again, could be and maybe things go back to the way they were before. Sometimes, though, things may never go back to the way they were. I had um, a guy who wanted to volunteer for Sky for a long time and asked him if I could share this story tonight. He told me I could. And I would always go to him, and I would always ask him if he would volunteer his Sky. And he'd be like, no, 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 I can't, Phil, I can't. And I had no clue what was happening in his story. Like, Every year, though, for a long time, I just asked him, and he always turned me down, turned me down, and then I stopped asking. And then years went by, and he came to me, and he said, hey, I'd love to volunteer for Scott. Finally, jeez. We sat down and talked, and he was like, I couldn't, I couldn't volunteer for Scott because like, I was addicted to cocaine. And I was like, all right, let's talk about this. Let's go down this trail. And so we started talking, and he told me all of his story. <coughs> And at the time, he was four months clean. And I told him, and I set parameters and boundaries for him and how he could volunteer and things he couldn't do and things he could do. And he was like, yes. Now, to this day, I don't know how many years clean he is now. I feel like it's like close to eight. But I allowed him to do this 
And immediately I was bombarded by people in his life that said I shouldn't. His sister came to me and let me have it. And she said, you can't let him volunteer. He will not. He's not going to stay clean. And this is going to happen. And he's lied. He's done this. And this is going to, and blah, blah, blah. <coughs> All right. She hasn't forgotten. And things have never gone back to the way they were for her and him. I kindly let her know, though, like, he's never burned me once yet. In fact, he turned me down and then told me the truth. And now I'm meeting with him monthly to ask him questions and check in with him. And, like, I can do that because I don't have the history, the baggage, anything there. He's got a clean slate with me. Sometimes forgiveness isn't wiping the slate clean. I started with a clean slate with them. She couldn't wipe the slate clean. Totally understandable. Totally understandable. Um, forgiveness isn't letting anybody off the hook. You can certainly feel that way. That kind of gets back to the whole condoning something. But sometimes forgiveness doesn't mean, like, in the position that I would have been in, like leading students and directing students, if I learned of something that happened, legal or bad, sketchy, we could like forgive that person, but that doesn't mean that there wouldn't be consequences to what they did. It doesn't mean you just let somebody off the hook. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is something else. You can fully forgive and realize that you're not condoning something, you're not letting someone off the hook, you're not going to be reconciled to that person. You might not even be in that person's life anymore, but you can still fully forgive. Now we're going to move on really quickly. There's probably a lot more things that it is. Those are the things that stood out to me that I just wanted to hit first. Who it is. Let's get to that one. This one's fun. Friend, coach, BFF, spouse, coworker, family member, acquaintance, teacher. The list can go on and on and on. <coughs> Out of all those people that are in your circle and in your orbit and in your sphere, what's that name that you can't say? What's that name that's been demoted from a name to that person, right? So like, we love to do things like that. We love to take the intimacy out of it. This person doesn't even have a name anymore, by the way. Like, I'm just gonna call this person that guy. Can't believe what that guy did to me, right? Who's that person for you that like, when you find yourself like with four other people, five other people, and their name gets mentioned and everybody goes like this. <laughs> and they look at you and they're like, oh my God, what's gonna happen now? How is she gonna take that? What's she gonna react like? What's gonna go down? You know, eyes focus, people brace themselves, people hold their breath. If you've got that person, there's a good chance you've got some forgiving today. Who is it that you can't be happy for when something good happens to them? This is a big one for 
it that you can't cheer for? Who is it that you swear to God, I hope karma kicks their ass? Like, you're actually rooting against them, right? Like, if you've got somebody like that, chances are there's some forgiveness that needs to happen. Who's the one in your life that you've actually dehumanized and you've reduced and limited them to an action that they did to you instead of they're a person? So they're no longer like a living, breathing human being who makes mistakes and does horrible things. Maybe has a family and lives their life and works a job. But every time they enter your mind, they quickly get filtered down this narrow filter and they simply are the thing that they did to you. They're no longer a person. If you've got anybody like that, you may be forgiven. This is a good one for me though. This is the one I'm like <clears throat> really dealing with right now. Who's the person you pull up every time someone mentions their pain? Who's the person that you're holding on to in here? And every time someone else mentions something rotten that happened to them, you're like, oh, I know. <laughs> right? And you get to tell them about that thing. Or maybe there's this new experience coming. And you're kind of excited about it, but you're also holding it at arm's length because of <laughs> that experience that happened. You pull that experience back up and you say, I don't know. I don't know. That pain that something and that someone, they're so close to the surface of your mind and heart, you're holding on to them just below the surface. And if you're doing that and you find yourself continually pulling that back out and holding on to it, sharing it, good chance you're in need of some forgiveness. Someone somewhere said, and I almost put the quote up here, but they said, you know, not forgiving someone is like letting someone rent free space in your head or heart, you know? So I thought about that right now when we were talking about who it is, just because, like, it's like you're giving that person, those people, that institution, that experience, free space in your head or heart. You're giving time, energy, and focus to it that you don't realize you are. And how great would it say, be to say, okay, what it is? refusing to let that person, thing, experience, people to rent free space in your head and heart. Denying them that privilege of that focus, that energy. Who it is. We've got to get to what it is now. What it is. I pulled out some definitions. This will be good. You can tell me if you like these or if you think they're right. But Forgiveness is to stop feeling anger towards someone who has done something wrong. To stop blaming someone. To stop feeling anger about something. To cease to feel resentment against an offender. <coughs> Forgiveness is the intentional and voluntary process by which a victim undergoes a change in feelings and attitude regarding an offense. Let's go of negative emotions such as vengefulness with an increased ability to wish the offender well. Forgiveness is mustering up genuine compassion for those who have wronged us instead of allowing anger toward them to eat away at us. 
That kind of goes in line with this one, not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. I looked it up online. I found this quote like everywhere. One said, Anne Lamont said that. One said Buddha, and I was like, no. That doesn't sound at all like Buddha. <laughs> but I put it up here, or a question mark. There were lots of people who apparently said this one, so. But you know what I mean? Like anger, bitterness, resentment. It's like pollution of the heart. It's like corrosive stuff that like can slowly eat away at you and kill you. It says forgiveness is letting go of that. Psychologists generally define forgiveness as a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserved it or not. That's the hardest part of forgiveness. I wish they would always cut that part off the definition. Whether they deserve it or not. I like to be the person who's waiting for the person to actually own it. And come to me and be like, I mean, like, if you want forgiveness for me, just come ask. I'm a well of forgiveness, like, and I have death. Just ask. I will give it out. But if you don't come ask, like, this well is shut. You know? So, when that subtle roll of the eyes happens again, or that brief comment is made, or you're called that name, or you're left out, or that thing is said again, or that thing goes left unsaid, or that pattern of behavior continues, or that certain action happens again, or inaction. Forgiveness is letting go of that shit. Letting it go. I've got some words here. I'm just going to write them up really quickly under what it is. So I would say this. And we're going to unpack these words as we go through this. Forgiveness is a process. It's not like a moment. If it is, man, you're good. Seriously. Like, I'm going to put this word in front of process. Right? So let's do that. Let's call forgiveness is a long process. It's like baby steps. It's not like a moment in time. This is like forever sometimes. I talked to someone recently, and they were like, man, it took me a long time to forgive that person. I was like, how long? They were like, six months. I was like, it's not long. Like, I'm working on years over here. Like, do you think six months is a long process? Oh. Sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, that happened to me. I forgave it. And then that's when I say, oh, okay, okay. You're, you're letting stuff go, not shit. Like, I'm talking about, like, serious stuff. I don't even swear that much, man. But, like, when I was thinking of this series, like, this is the only word that does it for me. What went down was shitty, and it never should have happened, and it didn't feel good. It felt really rotten. Like, and there was no better word for me to describe it than that. Stuff didn't work. It doesn't have the same punch, you know? Like, it just doesn't mean it. So sometimes you're going to go through this, and that's when this word becomes really important, super important. So forgiveness, it's a long process. And you need to celebrate the victories as they come, right? No matter how small they are. Maybe tomorrow you just wake up a little less angry. Yes! It's amazing. Like, that's a big accomplishment. That's huge. Sometimes we don't realize. Maybe when you hear that person's <coughs> name, it produces slightly less venom. 
right? Celebrate that victory. Run with that one. Maybe you find yourself letting go of it more and more. I sat through this kind of like little retreat, and they were like, you know what? Picture yourself in a river. Close your eyes. You're in a river. Hold it in your hands. Whatever it is, you know, they were like, the current's moving past you. Just start to let it go. Start to let it go. And I was like, this never really worked for me. <laughs> this never really worked well. I'm a very physical person, and I need something tangible. And so immediately, we've taken our boys tubing on rivers a lot, and what we do is we attach them to, to uh, us, essentially, with ropes. And every time, like, I'm in that river, <laughs> like, I'm in a tube, and my whole other thing is in another tube next to me, right? And when they say let it go, I've got a rope in my hand. Let it out a little bit, but I still got it. You know, like it's slowly inching away, but I've still got a little bit. It's still there, letting it go more and more and more. It's getting farther away, but I still have it. I haven't quite let go of it. It was never as easy as just having it in my hand and letting it go in the river and saying goodbye. It never felt that easy. Some of the how we're going to get to, but I have another picture that works better for me than the river, and maybe it'll work for you too. Forgiveness is a long process, and then I'm gonna throw this word in front of it. Let's throw this word in front of it. So these are the words we're gonna unpack the next time we're together, probably. It's a difficult long process. I like that word, difficult. It suggests to me that it's confusing, it's mysterious, it's uncertain. I find myself in forgiveness, and people have told me, hey, you just gotta forgive. You gotta let it go. I'm like, what does it mean? How do you even do that? I'm waking up every day bitter. It's a bitter pill. And that thing takes like root, and sometimes it doesn't go away. Time helps, and it doesn't sometimes. Sometimes, like, I like to think maybe I'll avoid that person. Then they're not even a real person anymore. And the story just plays inside your head and it can take control. It's like, uh, I don't know. Again, it's difficult. What's the straight up formula to forgive? I don't think there is one. That's why it's so dang difficult. It's like, wait a second. If you could just reduce this for me and make it easy, that would be great. Tell me the three steps. Tell me what it is. I'll do it. But that cookie cutter formula for forgiveness just isn't there. It's difficult. We're going to throw this word at the very front. What it is, forgiveness is a painful, difficult, long process. I don't think I have to explain painful. I think everybody sitting in this room gets it. It's painful, it hurts. It kind of feels like a subtle kind of little death sometimes, if you're going to forget. Especially if they haven't said they're sorry. It's very interesting, the pain that goes into forgiveness. I have two things I want to say that kind of are other quotes that I didn't write up there. One is, to forgive is to set someone free and to discover that that person is you. We've been talking about the truth will set you free. Forgiveness is to set someone free and to discover that that person is you. And this is the one that I cling to right now that I'm going to put in the email that comes out tomorrow. To forgive is refusing to let someone rob you of your joy. 
To forgive is refusing to let someone rob you of your joy. It's a pretty good flip on forgiveness. How to look at it. This quote over here is from Jesus, and we're going to talk about this one next time as well. So I'm not going to go into it right now. What I do want you to realize is this. Forgiveness is realizing you're in an emergency sort of situation. <coughs> you're on the plane, the masks have popped down. And they're in front of you. And the question is now, what are you going to do? The question is, are you going to choose to love yourself? Are you going to put the mask on? Or are you going to take a deep breath in and a deep breath out? Sometimes you gotta let shit go. And you gotta move on. It's 724. Can I read a quick story for you guys? Should I read this for you? Yes. Yeah. Alright, she's gonna grab her phone. I'm gonna read the story. Um, so how do you forget? This is kind of gonna. We're going to talk about this a lot. How? Because I really want to know the how. I'm going to suggest some stuff that's worked for me. We can talk about stuff that's worked for you. If you want to send me an email, that would be great. My latest imagery for forgiveness for me is being at the ocean. I love the current of the ocean. I don't like floating down a river. I like thinking I'm sitting at the edge of the ocean and I've got stuff in my hands and I'm holding on to it because I don't want to let it go. But when the ocean washes up and washes back out, it's trying to pull it away from me. I like that imagery a lot. Because I shouldn't be holding on to this, and I need to let go of it, but I don't want to. For some reason, I'm hanging on to it. Maybe I think I'm going to condone what happened to me. Maybe I think I'm letting someone off the hook. Maybe I think I have to be reconciled to this person. Maybe it's I'm hanging on to all this stuff that it isn't. But slowly but surely it gets pulled out of my hands over time. The other reason I like the imagery of the ocean is simply because of this. The ocean takes stuff out, but it brings stuff back, too. And sometimes, just when I thought it was good and gone and out of sight, that thing washes back up. And I'm right back staring at it again. So that whole long process, right? Those waves continue to bring it back. But I like the imagery of the ocean. I also like the idea of writing it out and getting it out of my head. Again, very physical. It's like I wake up and I'm thinking about that thing and I want to say exactly what it is. So I want to write it down on a piece of paper. I'm going to write down how I feel, what I think of that person, what I would like to do to them. Like, <laughs> whatever it is, and I'm going to put it all down on paper and I'm going to fold it into a paper airplane and I'm going to throw it out the window. Or I'm going to crumble it up, and I'm going to throw it away. Or I'm going to rip it up, and I'm going to put it somewhere and burn it. Or I'm going to do something physical with it. Um, I had also heard at one point, and I tried this one time, and maybe this would work for you. Someone I knew would always grab pebbles, like rocks, and they would actually put them in their pocket. So it's like something I have with me, and I'm holding on to it. And as the day went on, every time they thought about it, they would take one out and drop it. Until finally they would feel like they've thrown them all out by the end of the day. Like, I'm letting go of it. Not all at once, but it's hard, and it's happening, and it's like pebble by pebble by pebble, but it gives you that physicality of something's with me. It's heavy, 
it's on me, it's here, and I have to do something to let it go. Those are a couple of things you might be able to kind of do or practice. So this is the first night I have a clock, and it's 7.28, and I'm going to intentionally run over because I want a story to read to you. So I'm going to try my best not to tear up at all. I'm sorry if I get teary. Like, it's, it's, like, matter to me in ways that, like, I don't understand. My dad's a crier. Winston's a crier. Like, and Winston can feel my pain. It's like, when you start to talk about something that matters, it's like, something happens. And you're like, hang on a second. Why can't I? So I might make some off-the-cuff inappropriate comment just to jolt myself back out of it, right? To say something bad. Oh. <laughs> um, this is a post from someone who used to live here. And Anne showed it to me because I was mentioned in this post. And I'll give you just a little bit of background. When we started More to Life, um, one of the first things we talked about is how life is a gift. Life is a gift. That you get to do this thing. That you get to be here and embrace this and live this and be a part of this. And I gave a homework assignment um, early on, one of the first two or three times we met. And I threw it out there, and then I said, extra credit. I said, you can get it tattooed on your body somewhere. <laughs> I was kidding around, of course. And then, of course, the next time we got together, um, she came and showed me that she had it tattooed on her body, which was funny. Life is a gift. So that's kind of the background quickly, and I'm going to read this story. Um, this post is going to be hard for me to write, but I have loyal readers, and a few have made a request. Also, some events have happened around my loved ones over the past week that have motivated me to share. I know it's hubris to think that my little blog could really do any good, but any chance is worth taking. This past weekend, two of my lovely nieces were impacted by the depression surrounding their friends. Um, a younger niece, a freshman in high school, learned on Monday that a friend had been taken by suicide. Niece, the elder, a freshman in college, learned that a friend was hospitalized for attempting the same. Two young people in a relatively small circle had been sad enough, scared enough, felt worthless enough to end or to try and end their very existence. The heartbreak surrounding these events will never be understood. Dealing with suicide is becoming an incredibly common affair for people in our world, and it terrifies me. Especially when I know, oh no, I can't touch the phenomenon, it goes crazy. Ah, there we go. Especially when I know how close I came to indulging in suicide myself. In my last post, this is my story. I said that I had one more tattoo that I was not ready to share about, but I'm, I'm still not ready, but I'm going to tell you about it anyway. About two years ago, my life was on track to being the best it has ever been. I was in a job I loved, spent time with my healthy and happy immediate family, had my personal issues with mental health under control, and was losing weight and taking control of myself. I felt healthy and secure and full of joy and hope. Unfortunately, as so often is the case in these stories, everything was derailed by what seemed to be a small and insignificant event. In other words, the shit hit the fan, right? I will not go into the details surrounding the mistake I made, but I will tell you that I made a minor error, one which I have been assured was not only forgivable, but completely not a violation of any policies or rules in my teaching career. <coughs> Essentially, I said something that was taken poorly by a parent who had been saying bad things about me and my community. When that mistake happened, it was the parent's opportunity to swoop in and attack me with all her might, which she did. She went to my principal, my superintendent, and the ears of any community members who would listen. Fortunately, most community members, along with my principal and superintendent, 
decided that my actions were completely above reproach, or at worst, or at worst, a minor and temporary piece of poor judgment for which I had made amends. The next months were full of parents coming to me to let me know that this mean mom had tried to say things about me and they came to my defense. There were so many ways in which I could have celebrated myself as a result of these actions, but I didn't. You see, the mean mom had not only been a neighbor, but a friend. We cheered bottles of wine, dinners, summertime fires, and moments of joy. Our children had played together and we had relied on each other to watch over our animals. When we were away, we were close and I was being attacked. The things that were being said, the things that were being said about me became personal very quickly. I was told that anyone who looked like me could not be considered a role model for kids, that I was a horrible person, that because I loved the kids in my class too much, I could not be trusted with students' minds. Almost no one listened to this mom's claims. People literally laughed at the very idea that I was anything but a powerful force in the lives of children. But none of that mattered to me. What mattered was that every day when I entered or left my house, I was close to vomiting with the fear that I might see her. I would hear her shoes on her porch and shake. I would question everything I did in the classroom. I became almost paralyzed with fear. I began to hate my job, and more intensely than I have ever felt anything in my life, I hated myself. Despite countless reassurances from those who loved me, I was thoroughly convinced that I did not deserve to teach, parent, wife, friend, or live. Because of my reaction to this mean mom about a year and a half ago, I decided to kill myself. You may have noticed that earlier I said that I came close to indulging in suicide. I chose that word very carefully. I've heard all, all of the people that say that others die by suicide or that suicide is brave and so many other things, but I can't say that I agree. I have no idea why other people choose what they do, but for me it would have been completely an indulgence. It would have been an escape to give myself a way out from feeling so horrific all the time and there was nothing brave about it. I knew that it was cowardly when I laid my implements of destruction in front of me. It was a day when my husband was working and my daughter was out of the house. I didn't want her to find me. Oh, I had planned it all. I wept until I couldn't feel my face, much like right now, and I hugged my dog and howled with pain. I shook, I threw up, eventually I became numb because I was ready. You know how the story ends, you know I'm here. I would love to tell you that there was something special that happened to stop me. It would be great to see that I got a text from a friend or a call from a husband or a friend saying they loved me or that they were thinking of me or something, but the truth is I don't even really know what happened. I just decided right then that I could not die. If you're a person who believes in a higher power, you could say that I was saved. I do when I was. Something stopped me and I am grateful. Then in May, I was at a meeting led by a preacher friend. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> he was talking to us about how life is a gift from God, something that I now truly believe. It was at that moment that I knew what my next tattoo would be. I asked my husband to write the simple phrase, this is a gift for me, on a piece of paper. I brought it to my artist and he lovingly put it on my body. It is the art that I talk about the least often because it still hurts. Even though I am grateful that something stopped me, I need to see that art all the time. I smile every day, I give love, so much love to those around me, but I'm always afraid. I'm always walking around with a half-broken heart because I do not have the courage to walk into a classroom anymore. I miss being a teacher every day. I pretend that I don't, I even lie and say that I do not want to go back to teaching, at least not yet. This is a lie I've been telling everyone in my life. The truth is that every morning when I drop my daughter off at school, I want to cry. I miss it like I would miss a best friend lost to cancer. 
That woman, what she did, my reaction to it, it was cancer in my life. I now have a gaping maw from where the cancer was removed. It is right next to my heart. Still every day I will remember that this is a gift. I will be grateful that I'm still here even to feel pain because I'm doing good things. I'm choosing to use my gift to be the best mother I can be, the best daughter and sister, the best wife and friend. I'm choosing to love those I meet unconditionally. This life is a gift and I will never take it for granted again. It's a pretty true, real, authentic, honest story. <coughs> and there's this idea of forgiveness right in there. And like what someone experienced and how do I let that go? How do I not let that guide me, shape me, dictate my day? How do I not let that pollute my heart and my soul? How do I forget? What can I do? I think she would tell you it's a long process. It's a difficult long process. It's a painful, difficult, long process. Again, there are times when you can forgive and forget and it happens easily. You're probably letting some stuff go. <laughs> but then there's the rest of it. And that goes a little bit deeper. And I think we're all sitting in the room, and I just, I just explained to some friends the other night, I said, it's like, I've got two options here, you know? Like, I can literally see it. I can give this up, and I feel like I'll be free, and I want that so bad. I don't want to let this have free space in my head and heart anymore. I don't even want to think about it. And I don't want to think anyone ill, and I just want to move on. But then there's this other side that says, I can't let it go. Not yet. I don't know what this is. How do I do this? What does that look like? So we're going to continue to talk about that more and more and more. And if you think I've got a really good answer, well, just spoiler alert now. <laughs> it's not coming. <laughs> it's not necessarily coming, but hopefully through the discussion, hopefully through the process, there might be some things to grab a hold of in there. There might be. And again, I get it. Like, I, I have names that I can't say. You know? And like, every time that I say one and I don't have a feeling attached to it, I'm like surprised. I'm like, oh, okay, that rolled off the tongue a little bit more easily that time. Like, you know, like, and I celebrate that. And it's like, that's good. It's not every day, though. It's like the ocean, washing it back up. So anyway, forgiveness. Painful, difficult, long process. That's going to be the phrase from now on. Next time we're going to talk about forgiveness, and it's going to be the whole idea of bleeding it out. Bleeding it out. That sounds pretty painful. It is. Close tonight. Sorry we went over 10 minutes, 7.40. Thanks for being here over break and all. And for those of you who didn't know it was break, it's break. <laughs> but uh, I've got like just a little, little something here. And part of it will make more sense next time because I cut something out of tonight. I didn't want to mention it quite yet. I wanted to get to that story instead. 
But this is kind of our little promise prayer at the end for you guys. Um, may forgiveness literally become the air that you breathe. When you find yourself in that emergency situation, may you love yourself enough to grab a hold of the mask, take a deep breath in, and a deep breath out. And may you discover through breathing, you, may you find your next step, whatever it is, however small or simple. May you take it, and may you embrace it, that victory, however it comes. May you learn to practice the art of forgiveness, and may you not be good at it, may you be great at it. And may you truly learn to let shit go and be free, free from it. Amen. Um, thank you guys for being here.